Hi, everyone, and welcome to Academic Dean, where we connect with passionate college leaders who share their stories and viewpoints of higher education, especially lessons learned along the way. Academic Dean is sponsored by Myers-McRae Executive Search and Consulting. Now, here's your host, Dr. Dave Gercheck. Hi, everyone. Today, I would like to welcome Dr. Jacqueline Edmondson to our show. Dr. Edmondson is the president at the University of Southern Maine in Portland, Maine. Hi, Jacqueline. So glad to have you on the podcast today. Hello. Thank you so much for having me today. So can you talk a little bit about your university and why students select your institution? I sure can. I'm really proud of the University of Southern Maine. We have three campuses and one online and an online campus as well, but we have three physical locations. One is in Portland, Maine, one is in Gorham, Maine, and the other is in Lewiston. We have undergraduate and graduate degree programs, and we have multiple points of entry for students. So if they have some college credits, they can enter our university. If they're right out of high school, they can enter our university. Or if they're an adult who has been in the workforce for a number of years and, and they want to return to school, they can enter our university. And so I'm proud of the fact that our university is known by its service motto, which is our service promise is being student focused every day. And the people I work with are very committed to that service promise. It's a wonderful place to come if you're a student because people really do know you by name, they care about your progress, and they want to be sure that you're successful in your pursuit. Oh, good. Well, well what's new on campus? Well, we have a new residence hall on the Portland campus. It's called the Portland Commons. It has 580 beds. It's a passive house design, which means that it has energy efficiency and um, a high quality of climate because of the windows, the insulation, those kinds of things. It's a really beautiful facility. And right next to it is a brand new center for student career and success. It's called the McGoldrick Center. And that center has um, student affairs offices. It has uh, career offices, opportunities for employers to come meet with students, along with a large, beautiful dining area, um, our student bookstore, things like that. So we're really excited about both of those buildings and the, the transformation that's happening on our Portland campus as a result of those two buildings. And we also are just breaking ground right now for the new Center for the Arts, which will also be on the Portland campus. We have a wonderful um, music program and arts program, and we're really excited to bring the uh, bring the music school from the Gorham campus into Portland to be part of the arts and culture and activities that are here in the Portland area. Do you have any new programs on the horizon? We do, actually. This fall, we're starting undergraduate degrees in um, industrial engineering. We are starting an undergraduate degree in project and supply chain management, an undergraduate degree in special education, and we're starting an undergraduate degree in occupational therapy assistance. So so four new programs for you guys. Four, part, four new degree programs. <laughs> Usually when I ask that question, I get one or nothing. <laughs> so, so it seems like a lot of exciting things happening on campus. There really are. This university is just, it's a great university. It's in a great city. And we really are excited about all the opportunities we provide to our students here. So what are you currently focusing on to enhance the educational experience for students right now? I think the thing we are really focusing on is making sure that our students have um, 
a sense of belonging when they come to the university. There are a number of clubs and organizations and programs that are available for our students. We have strong mental health counseling for our students. We want to make sure they have access to everything they need to be successful. So that sense of belonging is a priority for us as we think about students and student success and making sure that they're able to earn their degree in a timely way. I think um, the other thing is that we, oh, go ahead. No, well, I was just, when you said that, I was just curious since you talked about mental health, was some of that uh, post-COVID that you had to move into that arena or was this something that was pre-COVID? We have always had mental health counseling available to our students, but I think post-pandemic, we're seeing more and more need for that. And I understand that our students, that's one of the things they're looking for when they're looking at universities, just making sure there's mental health counseling available to them. The other thing that we have is just a really strong focus on pathways into careers. And that's what our new McGoldrick Center for Career and Student Success provides. And I understand that students are wanting to make sure they get um, get degree programs that will lead them to successful careers. What's the university doing to adapt to the changing landscape of higher ed? I mean, it really has changed over the last few years. That's so true. But technology really is ubiquitous. It's part of everything we're doing. We, you know, we have teachers who are going out into schools. We're in our teacher education programs who need to understand how to teach using technology. We have spaces on our campus where students can use uh, 3D printers and maker spaces. We make sure that they have wireless access so their devices can always be, be used wherever they are to access the internet and uh, anything else that they need to do you know, with online programs. And we're making sure that they're aware of these different tools like chat GPT and understanding what the what the uses are. We have faculty who are teaching using those tools so that they so that students understand what is possible, but then also what the limitations and challenges may be. It's an exciting time. It, yeah, I agree. I sometimes I kind of wish I was still a dean because it does seem like this would be a really fun time to re-engage with students right now for sure. Um, well, with the rising cost of education, what are you doing to make education more affordable and accessible? Sure. Well, we have the uh, University of Southern Maine has a foundation, so we're very active in fundraising and making sure that we have scholarships available to our students. One of the things I'm most proud of is something called the Promise Scholars Program. That program serves students who are primarily first in their families to go to college, students who are coming from underrepresented groups. And those students, we, we examine what their financial aid picture looks like and whatever unmet need they might have, we're able to top off with the Promise Scholars Program. But more than that, we have a director for that program who I like to say sort of serves as a GPS of sorts for the students. I mean, he's in touch with them all the time and it feels like they're getting a little bit off track in some way. He reroutes them and brings them back in, but he's always available meeting meeting their needs, asking that, you know, answering their questions. So that's one of the ways that we're working to make sure that our students have an affordable education. The other thing that I think is really important too is that students should finish their undergraduate degrees in particular within a four-year time period. So we're working to make sure students understand the curriculum, what they need to take, when their courses are available to them so they're not delayed in time to degree because the longer they stay in school, the more expensive it becomes. And so that four-year graduation time period is important to me as well. 
What are you doing to prepare students for today's workforce? Well, we have, a, as I mentioned before, a really strong career um, center with career counselors who are helping students to get internships, clinical pace placements, experience in the workforce, and that's a priority for us. Any student who wants an internship or a clinical placement, depending on what their degree program is, can have one. And so we're proud of that, of that effort as well. Are those internships in-state or do you have any out-of-state? There's both but primarily in-state. Okay. Oh, good. Um, well, could you share some success stories of alumni who've made an impact in their respected fields? Oh, we have and we have so many wonderful alumni, but I will mention that we, um, Tony Shaloub, the actor, who was in Monk and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and other, other really popular shows, is one of our alumni we're quite proud of. He's an award-winning actor. We also, um, as a, one of our alumni is uh, Neil Genslinger, who writes for the New York Times, um, most recently writing obituaries. He's absolutely lovely and was our commencement speaker this May. Megan Marino is a graduate of the University of Southern Maine. She's an opera star who travels the world and has an amazing voice. And so I'm proud of those of, of people who've graduated from our, from our university and are off doing really amazing things. But even our most recent graduates are some of the people I'm most proud of. I have, we have an undergraduate student who just graduated in May. His name is Tom Watts. He comes from a rural area of Maine and is absolutely one of the most thoughtful, articulate young people I've met. And he's now getting his MBA, has plans to go on to law school and then return to the rural community where he grew up in Maine. So they're just wonderful stories that come with all of our alumni. It's hard to name just a few. Let's take that one more step further. How how do you think the university contributed to their accomplishments then? When I listen to them talk about their stories, I think one of the things that's really important for people to realize is that a, an undergraduate degree or a college education, a graduate degree program, is not just the classes you take. Your classes are a part of it, but your educational experience is so much broader. It's about the things you do outside of the classroom, the clubs, the organizations, the service that you provide to the communities where you live, your friends and your peers. When I listen to the, the alumni who are so successful talk, they've made, they made strong connections with their professors. They had wonderful sets of friends and peers. They had these out-of-class experiences. So for example, when Tony Shaloub was a student here, there was the theater program traveled through Maine. And so they, they would get on a van, they would go through out rural parts of Maine and do their performances. And that kind of experience, I think really, he said that really helped to shape his understandings of acting and prepared him for his acceptance into his master's program at Yale. Well, with the success of lifelong learning and continuing ed, what type of opportunities do you offer for personal and professional development at the university? Sure. One of the things I'm proud of is that we had the first Osher Lifelong Learning Institute here at the University of Southern Maine. Those, they call them OLLI. Those programs are all over the country now, but the very first one was here at the University of Southern Maine. So we have we have students who are learners of all ages here. And I, I'm so excited when I get to meet the students who are in the OLLI program. They're pursuing classes and experiences because they love it and they love to keep learning. 
Um, and so that's that's one of the ways we do that. We also provide professional development, ongoing professional development for the work to meet workforce needs through um, like Lean Sigma and other kinds of professional development opportunities, particularly when employers approach us and have ideas about what would benefit their employees. Well, this is this next question is kind of like the alumni question I just asked. This is always a hard, hard one to answer. But can you highlight any unique or innovative programs that distinguishes your university from others? I absolutely can. So we have the Osher Map Library here at the University of Southern Maine. It is a, an, a wonderful collection of maps that is unique in many ways. It's digitized. And it's this very vibrant space. So many of our faculty members take students and they take their classes to you in to the Osher Map Library to use the maps and to understand how maps help to inform the work they're doing, whether they're in economics or history or philosophy, whatever their major may be. So that's an it's a really unique space. And we also bring K-12 teachers and students in to work with the maps. And it's just a really beautiful collection. The other thing we, another thing we have is the Center for Book Arts, which is a really unique opportunity for people to think about the ways in which you can create books or add art to books. And uh, there's just, there's some wonderful creative work happening there as well. Uh, so those would be two things that I would say that, that really set us apart and that are quite different than what I've seen at other universities. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, there's more, but I'm I'm not sure you'd want me to. I could I could talk all day, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I understand. Uh, how are you collaborating with local businesses right now to create mutual relationships to address regional challenges? Yes, that's a great question. We work really closely with partners in health, for example, uh, to make sure that our nursing students and our medical uh, uh, track students, the students in health sciences, have opportunities to have clinicals in local hospitals, the VA hospital, other places. Our Lewiston-Auburn campus is a health education corridor. And that from that location, we're really making sure that we're connected with local health um, opportunities for students to have experiences there. And through our Career and Student Success Center, we make sure that we have connections to other businesses in the region so that students can do internships and have other opportunities. We have space in our new building for a large job fair. We're looking forward to seeing, you know, what may materialize when when that's up and running in this fall. Are you having any difficulty finding places for them to do their internships? No, there seems to be no shortage of places for wow. them. We have businesses approaching us all the time, hoping for our students to come do internships with them, whether it's at a, a bank locally or some of the technology companies that are in this region, school districts. Uh, we have a we have a very uh, robust tourism and hospitality program that it reaches statewide. So students have opportunities to work in ski resorts, uh, dog sledding, fishing, hotels, all kinds of things. And so the the tourism and hospitality. Uh, program is one of the other areas where we really we have strong connections and really so many unique opportunities for students. Maine is called the vacation land. And so if you're going into tourism, this is the place to place to do your uh, do your degree program. Yeah, that's now I will admit, I, you know, uh, you're not having any issues with internships is, is great news because for a lot of universities, that's that's just hard to get some of their students in places because they just run out of spots to send them. So that's good for you guys. Yeah. Um, 
with the rise of alternative credentialing, how do you see micro-credentials impacting the future of higher ed? Yes, I think micro-credentials are something that we should always be focusing on. We need to be nimble. We need to find ways to make sure that people who are in the workforce, for example, can learn a new new skill or a new line of thinking or new tools to use. And so micro-credentials are something that we should always be thinking about. And one thing I like about them is that they're just a little more nimble than creating a degree program or even an academic minor because they're just shorter courses and easy to easy to pivot when we need to. You know what I've, I've seen sometimes though that uh, people complain and, and what I mean by com- people is administrators because they feel that as as a university is trying to promote a four-year education, uh, micro-credentials kind of just go after the skill-oriented, come in, get this skill, and then move on. So are you seeing any uh, issues with that or are your students wanting to continue their education? I understand the concern, but I think that, as I said earlier, you're your educational experiences are so much more than just the classes you take. And so if they have an opportunity to add a micro-credential as they're earning their four-year degree, that's terrific. Or if they're a graduate of our university and want to come back and earn a micro-credential that will help them to advance in their field, that's terrific too. I like when micro-credentials provide ladders into degree programs. So if you're, let's say you have a bachelor's degree in business and you want to earn a micro-credential in a specific field, it's nice when that micro-credential then builds into a master's degree program so that you can do those in smaller chunks. I think the drawback is we just need to be careful that learning doesn't become too fragmented. I think students need to understand how all of the dots connect and how all of these experiences play into a bigger picture. Yeah, I think the plus side with the stackables move, moving on up and being able to get stuff is is very appealing, especially for someone who's already working, is trying, who's just needing a few classes, and then they get those, they move up, they come back to you again, they come back to you again. I, I really like that idea. I hope that continues over the next few years, but it sounds like you guys are doing a great job with that. Sometimes our students are coming to, to school, but their job is not even have been developed yet. In other words, how do you um, prepare students for jobs that may not even exist yet? I think that's a really great question. And it's so true. When I look around at the the landscape now, there are so many jobs that I would never have imagined would be possible when I was a 17 or 18 year old going off to college for the first time. I think really what we need to be able to do is instill in our students a sense of commitment to learning and an understanding that we are all lifelong learners, much like our Osher Lifelong Learning Institute is. I think we need to make sure they have strong um, arts and humanities backgrounds that give them the creative thinking, the language skills, the reflection skills that are needed in the workplace and beyond, and then the more technical skills that we at least know of now, and if, if they're going into business or teaching or engineering, whatever the case may be. So I think it's a a really a combination of making sure that there's arts and humanities and professional skills that are part of the educational experience, and then a willingness and a commitment to continue to learn across the lifespan. Yeah, that sure seems like uh, you're absolutely trying to incorporate 
some type of community service and civic engagement into your programs. Right. Um, yeah. How are you encouraging students to be active and responsible citizens? Well, one of the things I'm doing is I'm teaching a class this fall on civic and community engagement, and I'm really excited about that class. One of the things that we are going to do is ask students to pick up local problems that we could have some input on, whether it's a school board, uh, working with a school board on a school budget, or thinking about how we take up questions around transportation in our local communities, or we have a, a large influx in Maine of um, immigrants and asylum seekers. And so that's putting some pressure on housing in other areas. So I'm really interested in how the students will take those questions up and then we'll work really closely to make sure we can come up with some recommendations and some understanding about how our local governments work and how they can be engaged and active citizens in our communities. So that's one of the things we're doing and I'm really, I'm looking forward to the to the class. Do you usually teach a class? Most of the presidents I've talked to are just too busy to even try to do that. Yeah, it is really important to me to teach. I'm an educator. I've, um, I That's really how I think of myself as an educator. And it's being with the students really helps me to understand and be reminded every day of why we're here doing what we're doing. Their stories are inspiring to me. What they're trying to accomplish is inspiring to me. So I find ways to interact with our students in lots of different venues. I go to their sporting events, their theater productions. We have students over to the president's house for dinner um, occasionally. I ride, we have a bus that connects the Portland and Gorham campuses. It's called the Husky Line. So sometimes I ride that bus so I can, can talk with students and understand who they are. And I'm one of those really no annoying morning people. I get on the bus first thing in the morning and I say, good morning. And the students have their headphones <laughs> on and their hoods up. They're not too excited to see me sometimes. But uh, but I, I, I really believe that it's so important to be engaged with the students and to understand who they are, what they're, what they're bringing to our university and how we can contribute to the goals they've set for themselves. When did you become president there? I became president here just a little over a year ago. So in this past year, what what's some of your biggest lessons you've learned so far? Oh, wow. There have been so many wonderful. Well, first of all, I've met incredible people. And so that's one of the big takeaways from this year is that this university has incredible people associated with it, the faculty, staff, students, the alumni, the friends of the university. So that's one of the big takeaways. The other is that this university has many signature and premier programs that are kind of un hidden under a, a, a bushel, if you will. And we need to really bring those out and help people to understand the opportunities that are here at the University of Southern Maine so that this university, which is already a great university, can become even greater in the future. We're really positioned for wonderful growth. And then I think the other thing is we spent um, this past year fundraising for the university. And that was really rewarding because we're able to bring in scholarship funds. We're able to build things like the Center for the Arts as a result of the people who really care about and are, are donating to the university. What do you think make up good qualities for, for, a, for a president who's just stepping in for that first year? Um, I think you need to, I think one of the things that's important is just understanding how to pace yourself because when you're brand new to a place, everybody, you walk into rooms and everybody's brand new and you're learning a lot of names and meeting a lot of people. So I think one of the things is just 
just pacing yourself so that you don't um, you don't get overwhelmed too early on. I think another quality is just being really open because everybody's coming to you with ideas and suggestions. And I think it's important to listen and to take in those ideas and suggestions as you shape an agenda for the future. I think the other is to be really collaborative, um, working with the different groups that are on campus and in the communities so that you're able to advance the work in ways that make sense to people who've been here before you Good. and the people who will be coming after. Yeah. yeah. Here's my last question. What advice would you give prospective students and their families when choosing the right college or university for their education? I think the best advice is just to find the place that is the best fit for you. There are so many opportunities out there, so many different kinds of universities. I think you need to talk with the faculty and understand if you can find your way, you know, you'd be able to work with the faculty. I also think you need to think about who your peers are who the students are that you'll be friends with for the rest of your life, actually, in many cases, when you go off to the university. And then just think about the programs and opportunities that are available at the university and if those are what you're really looking for. So just finding the best fit is, and I, you know, I often listen to students talk about that. I ask them why they come to the University of Southern Maine. And a lot of times it is just that when they show up on campus, they feel like they belong. And it's often an intangible uh, experience, but that's that's what I'm hearing from them. They just feel like they belong. They feel welcomed. They feel like people care about them. Well, this is a nice place to end our, end our episode today. Jacqueline, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you for having me. Well, that wraps up today's episode. Thanks everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to today's episode and make sure to visit our website at academicdean.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Academic Dean is sponsored by Myers-McRae Executive Search and Consulting. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time.